0: Love you told me, just cling to me, and let your mind be free, while making love between the shoes, oh girl, I love you all night long, and I know,
1: you felt it coming home, oh darling, just
0: my love, will you taste so sweet Sharing our love between the shoes Ooh, baby, baby I your love surrounding me whoa, whoa, whoa. Take care of what's your fantasy I'll take you there To that ecstasy Oh girl, you blow my mind I'll always be your freak all and music for the soul. Yeah. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Show. Hello, world.
2: Good afternoon. Good evening. Hey, and welcome to the Bobby Eaton Show. This is where we tell our stories our way, right here in the heart of Tulsa, Oklahoma. You can dial the number six four six seven one six five five two five, 646-716-5525, and don't forget to press that one button. Today's show is Tulsa Mayor G.T. Bynum is in the house, and we want you to call that number, ask some questions. We're going to be talking to G.T., and we're going to be talking about several different things concerning you. So we want you to do that. How are we doing, Sherry? Doing all right, Bobby. You doing okay? Yes. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Thank you. You know, that's Sherry Lasky, my co-host today. And uh, we're going to be uh, talking about various topics such as uh, African Affairs Commission, mass graves, police chief, you name it. We're going to be talking about it here on the Bobby Eaton Show. Now, if you want to also dial in, the request line 918 856 3873. You can dial that number. Mayor Bynum is in the house. That's what we say. And once again, we tell our stories our way. So we're going to take a little break and we're going to bring him aboard and we'll be right back, so stick around. Sim here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Sherry. Yes. We're doing okay, huh? Yes, we are. All right. Okay. In the studio, Mayor Bynum, how are we doing? Great.
3: Great, great, great. Hey, man, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I'm sorry I missed it before I got a food parasite. Yeah, I
2: remember, man. You, you got would sick. not have
3: wanted me in here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you got sick that particular yeah. day, and I said, okay, well, we can maybe reschedule it. Yeah, and This is the reschedule.
3: It would have been a really unpleasant day. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, look here, man. Uh, you're a native, Tulsa. Yes.
3: Born and raised. Yep. What school do you go to? Went to Elliott Elementary for elementary school, and then I went to Casha Hall for middle school and high school. Middle school and high school. Yeah.
2: And I noticed that over here in North Tulsa, there's a place right down here on Peoria called called G.T. Bynum. I used to see that when I was –
3: was that your grandfather or yours? Well, Uh, my my great-grandfather also went by G.T. Bynum, and that's his machine shop. He opened it, and he ran it. My grandfather ran it, and my dad ran it. I grew up sweeping metal shavings on the floor in that place. Okay, yeah. And my dad sold it to the employees about 25 years ago. Okay, I saw that. You know, I to yeah. see it
2: all the time. So yeah. I didn't know. Now, I looked up, and uh, here you are, the mayor, so your descendant's.
3: Of your grandfather, and, that's right, and stuff like that. Yeah.
2: So, how long have you been in office
3: now, man? Uh, well, I've been mayor for three years, but before that, I spent eight and a half years on the Tulsa City Council. Tulsa City Council. Yeah. Okay, great, 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 great. That's good. That's a good
2: thing. Well, let's just dive into it, okay? that be Let's see great. what's going on here. Sure. Now that you're mayor, there there they've been some there have been some things that you have accomplished for African Americans since we. Uh, such as the African
3: Affairs Commission. I, I was, I mean, I had a great partner in that and Counselor Hull Harper. But yeah, mm-hmm. I was really glad that we got that put in place. And as I told folks, I mean, it was shocking to me that that hadn't been established like 40 years ago. The fact yeah. that we only created it like two years ago was it, pretty surprising.
2: Yeah, so I understand the previous administration really didn't want to have anything to do with that. That's correct. But there are other cultural uh, ethnic groups such as uh, Native Americans and and uh, some others that already had it, yes. like you said, forty years ago. Right. Yeah. No, know? we
3: have a, a Greater Tulsa Area Indian Affairs Commission, a Hispanic Affairs Commission, a number of other ones, but we didn't have an African Ameri- American American. Why Commission. do you think we didn't have it? Um, you know that the the pushback that came during the at least the time that I was involved in the discussion was. Uh, that African Americans in Tulsa have a, a voice on the city council. They don't need a commission. I didn't agree with that argument, but that was the one that was put forward. Um, that was the previous council members. That, and yes, stuff, right. That is correct. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you didn't agree with that,
3: right? No. I, I mean, I really think that, especially when we're talking about, I mean, we're the, the challenges that we see in Tulsa right now. We're having a, We've had a lot of challenging discussions over the last three years. But it's because these are discussions that the city wasn't willing to engage on for decades. So, and, and the Greater Tulsa Area African American mm-hmm. Affairs Commission is a, I think, a vehicle for us for a lot of those discussions to initiate and uh, for a broader range of people to have a voice, not just say that one city councilor well, speaks for all African American Tulsans you you would never say that about any other group in Tulsa that's why i didn't agree with that argument well let me ask you the main question that a lot of the African Americans
2: normally say yeah do you feel that
3: Tulsa is racist towards African American people uh i think historically i mean you can see that in in the life expectancy disparity uh, that exists, which is the main reason that I ran for mayor. Uh, it it was—I'll always remember the—the the morning when I read the article where it spelled out that life expectancy disparity, and it was reporting it as an improvement. That it had been a 15-year life expectancy disparity between North Tulsa and the rest of the city, and now it's 11. Uh, but I had—I'd been on the city council for eight and a half years. Do you feel point. like
2: it's—it's it's racist, though?
3: Yeah, I think that Mm -hmm. there has been racism in in the past. I don't know if you're talking about Tulsa as a community or Tulsa as a
2: city. Well, being born and raised in Tulsa and leaving here, and I've been back here like a – I don't know how
3: you can look at that disparity and not say that racism hasn't been been a huge prevalent issue Mm -hmm. in Tulsa. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And coming back, I've been back here four and a half years now, and it almost seems worse. Now than what it was then when I lived here once upon a time hmm. here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh uh the the, the Northside community is is starting to just wither away. Hmm. Uh, gentrification is starting to come in and take over, and a lot of things are happening in our community. And um, I'm just at a point to where I need to know what's going on, and some of that has to do with the city, sure. You know, it has to do with the city, you know yeah. what I mean? Because you got the tale of two cities. You know, you got a South Tulsa and you got a North Tulsa. Yes. It's like almost like North Tulsa is almost like a colony, you know. So I'm trying to figure out what can we do as a people, African-Americans, yes. to better our neighborhoods and our communities and things. We don't even have a grocery store over here, you know, to, to give right. fine vegetables and different things like that. We don't have that over here. We don't have a lot of stuff over here in our community. They say since the last census bureau we lost about eleven thousand people. Yes. Yeah. You know right. he, here in North Tulsa. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out coming here being gone. What happened and why? Mm. Do you have any idea? When did you leave? I I left Tulsa when oh man, when I was about twenty one years old. I'm just you trying know, to like I didn't know how old you are right now. How long were you gone? Huh? What years your time frame? How long were you gone? I've been gone more away from Tulsa than I've lived in Tulsa. Right. So you can say about 30 to 40 years. Mm. Been going away. Right. You know, going away. And when I left Tulsa, it was North Tulsa. It was in way better shape Mm. than what it is today. Right. You know. When you
4: talk about time frame, I'm going to bring it a little closer to home. I left in 2010. Okay. And came back 2015, and within that five-year time frame, there was a huge difference between North Tulsa and what was happening in downtown. Downtown was able to de- redevelop in like five years' time yes, frame. Right. But some of the things that we've been asking for in North Tulsa have been for years, but you can't get it done. with. It hasn't been done within that five-year time frame. Mm-hmm. So the timing, so when you get back to you're talking about um, the reason why you ran had to do with the life expectancy in Tulsa, and now that we have 11 year, it was 11-year gap, that's an improvement. That's infrastructure improvement. So you have a clinic Yes. that can uh, you know, address those needs, but are yep. those people coming to that clinic? Can right. they afford to come to that clinic? Right. Okay. When you talk about is the na- neighborhood-built environment, what does your home environment look like? What does your community look right, like? Right, right. So within that time frame of five years, it has gotten worse, yes. We have more access, but I can't afford to pay my rent, my water bill. I it takes me forever to get groceries. Those type of things, just living day to right, day. Right, right. So we talk about the city and the city involvement. Um, what type of issues have you addressed as far as the African American Affairs Commission? Something as simple as, let's say, employment in North Tulsa, mm-hmm. jobs in North Tulsa, yeah. bringing bringing something other than the center on mohawk
3: so uh no that's a great question um and there, i know we're going to cover a lot of stuff mm-hmm. here but yeah you touched on several things money. here. i mean one you mentioned that issue around housing uh and we just brought in the city's first ever housing policy director because we realized tulsa ranks 11th in the nation in eviction rates uh which i think was a surprise for a lot of people um there are a lot of issues around housing and affordable housing Uh, that we want to address uh, and that Becky Gligo is helping lead the way on in my office. Around employment though, I think your point there is a really good one because so many of the issues that you see in a community can be resolved if people have jobs and good jobs. And uh, one of the big things that we've focused on is that when we do economic development recruitment for major employers, they're not interested in locating in North Tulsa we're not interested in incentives for them. Uh, and that's why you had, I mean, the two largest new employers to come to Tulsa in our history We've come here in the last three years to building campuses in Northeast Tulsa. Um, but we're also partnering with Tulsa community work advance uh, through a program uh, that makes sure that the folks that live around those facilities can get, Training in the types of jobs that will be at those facilities, so they're not just watching buildings get built, right. but they have mm-hmm. uh, whatever skill set they need to mm-hmm. compete for the jobs that are there. They have access to them. You mentioned the Peoria Mohawk site. We actually got one business that was already in Tulsa to agree to relocate mm-hmm. to that site, and Tulsa Community Work Advance is doing a similar partnership with them, Muncie Power Products. So, uh, I th- there's a lot of work in that regard. I mean, you mentioned downtown. Uh, The revitalization of downtown, in my opinion, occurred because there was a major public investment that drew, and that's the BOK Center, Mm -hmm. that then incentivized a lot of private investment around it. And that created a ripple effect where you've now had over a billion dollars in private investment in downtown Tulsa since the BOK Center was built. That is the exact same model that we're trying to replicate with things like USA BMX. Uh, building it on the old Evans FinTube site, that'll take up about a third of that site. The other two thirds are up for private development. And we're working with, mm-hmm. my office is working with Councilor Hall Harper mm-hmm. and community leaders to identify what kind of development we want on that site mm-hmm. before we put out any sort of request for proposals. Yeah, uh, and you
2: know, and that sounds all good and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, when I look at a street here in my community, like Lansing, mm-hmm which was a thriving black street at one time. African-Americans had businesses, hotel, uh, regal theater, and all of that was on there. Now uh, they said they were going to revitalize Lansing, right? But now it's just all industrial. I see. It's all industrial. And 90% or even 95% of the workers who are there in that industrial park are not African-Americans. Right. right? Working in that, in that area right there. Right. You
4: know, so people come here to people work. People come here to work. They
2: leave.
3: Yeah, they so leave. To make yeah. a change. You so have to have people that live and in, the work in the community. Totally agree with that. Yeah, now, in the community. Yeah. Now yeah. that's why we've been uh, big proponents of that Tulsa Community Work Advance program uh, because I, I don't want to love the folks in Owasso, but we're not creating jobs here well, for the you know, people my, my, in Owasso to hey, come into North Tulsa exactly, and then go back. My main
2: concern happened. here is North Tulsa. Yeah, I know old waffles out there, Broken Arrow, Jeans, yeah. Bigsby, all that high development, but my main concern is North Tulsa. Yep. Because this is where I was born. This is where I was raised. This is where my grandfather's barbershop was and everything was here. And at the time, we had everything here. Right. So how do we get that
3: back? Well, and I think we're talking about two different things. So there's major, you know, employers and and that we're, I think we're doing a lot of good progress on that. The other is a, I think a, a real challenge and that's around small business and entrepreneurship. Okay. You know, I, I participated about a year ago in a really good session on economic development that the Met Cares foundation put on. And I was at a table talking to some, uh, Young professionals who had grown up in North Tulsa, and they were lamenting the fact that, you know, the like they were talking. They all knew this this one guy who had Mm -hmm. an auto repair shop because he taught all of them how to change a tire. Mm -hmm. And now his shop is closed, and and there might be a chain store in somewhere where they don't know anybody. And Mm -hmm. like the notion of having locally owned businesses uh, has really deteriorated not just in North Tulsa, but in the city overall. And you know, so what we're, mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is look at different approaches we can look at to encourage small business investment and entrepreneurship in North Tulsa. Mm-hmm.
2: How do we go about uh, cleaning up the face of North Tulsa? What I mean by that is mainstream media always depicts, depicts us as a, a, a war zone. You know, it's always somebody shooting. It's always some robbery going on. It's always this and that every time you see it on TV. Right. Something always something bad mm-hmm. about North Tulsa when the majority of people who live in my community are great and fantastic people. Sure. And some of the good stuff that we're doing over here in North never, never gets, gets to... it never hits right. the media. Right. You yep. know, it's just like so. don't, don't move to North Tulsa and then... get out over there after get after dark. You know, uh, uh, you better not be over north talk like somebody's just gonna rob you and hit you across the head yeah. just for going to the store.
5: Right,
0: right. You know, right. and that's yeah. a
5: myth. Sure. But you know and but those, we kinda of
4: perpetuate yeah. the myth. Yeah, yeah when we, we do. have stuff like um live P D mm. that on T V on T V that perpetuates that myth that mm. this area is a really bad place to live. And people say, well, they shouldn't be breaking the law. All it takes is one image to tear down a whole community, mm. okay? And people see that over and over again. So when I'm, let's say, for an example, if I'm an investor, I'm a small business owner, and I want to start a business, and I see that type of information on the in the news, I may be, a, let me find another place to invest. Mm-hmm. So that perpetuates, that makes the problem even continue when we have that so true it's important that we portray our city in a positive way yep which leads me
3: in it said media man yeah. yeah yeah
2: that's why i got this place right here <laughs> right. <laughs> right you <laughs> know to tell the <laughs> truth and to truth tell truth stories our, our way. way
3: and i will you know? tell you one mm-hmm. thing that our communications department has been working on for about a year now with uh tracy chandler who's a mm-hmm. Local mm-hmm. community leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, is analyzing different news stories that are put out there, especially around crime, and how do they identify where it occurs. Um, And we've been using that analysis to then go back to news departments and point out that you'll say something happened in North Tulsa, North Tulsa, North Tulsa, but if somebody gets shot at 50 Person Harvard, you just say fifty person harbor. No, they may say harbor. They may say right, South Harbour. Right, exactly. Because you're going
4: to get across street yes. and almost an exact location yep. and an image. Yeah. When something happens in North Tulsa, it's an everyday occurrence mm-hmm. with certain you know stations. I don't want to call any names. <laughs> oh, it happens.
2: But <laughs> It happens. It's you know I talk, unbearable. I talk to a lot of anchor people from different news station. I mention the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's no secret with me because I'm transparent and I talk about the issues at hand and how can, I'm trying to figure out how we can correct some of those, you know, over here in our community. So when they broadcast all that negativity and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, I'm sitting back like, wow. right. You know. And so when when
4: the community is saying this is what we want and you say, no, you had a firm no.
0: Mm-hmm. That was
4: a firm no. Sure. No.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah.
4: My question comes up: Is there a contract? Is there money attached to nope. that? So it's like, not if, a if, if there's not a dime, and mm-hmm. you can do, you know, uh,
0: a time. Like, okay, since there's okay. no money
4: involved, it's easy for you to say, okay, no, we will we'll end the contract in May or whenever. But it's but do you understand why there's so much uproar about that beyond? the information that they get to keep forever and a day. And a lot of the time, some people aren't even guilty of any crime. It's just like fishing and trolling, mm-hmm. you know, they're lo- yeah, trolling yeah. for things to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that plays a big role in our community.
2: Okay. Yeah, it uh, does.
3: And, and I would say a, a couple things on that one, we, we have canceled it before. Um, Largely, it was because they were following one specialty unit that was focused in one part of the city, and in talking about them coming back, it needed to be understood that they would be covering the whole city, not just Mm -hmm. one part of town, and Mm -hmm. they do. Um, uh, And I guess my my other – and I know I talked about this at our town hall last week, but I've had the experience in the last year where I witnessed police interaction with citizens – and I have friends who are active in the community who saw the exact same instance, and we both had completely different takeaways from mm-hmm. it. And so, I think it's important for people to see what our officers are doing. I I, I get it that some people think that 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 show is not the best vehicle for it, but it is a vehicle for it. And I think people ought to be able to see it make up their own mind rather than relying on just what I told them or what somebody else told them.
2: I think if you had more police officers who lived in the community, oh yeah. you get better results. But I think that some of the testing and things like that are so steep, are so, what's the word? So- I don't know if it's so steep, that's the word I want to use, but I just think that, I mean, if, if, if John Brown stayed, or stayed right down the street and I went to school with him or something like that and he knew everybody in the community, he could he, he, he he control, could a, control a, a whole so much. And also, the police, I think there needs to be cultural training for the police force because we as African Americans have our own type of culture. Sure. Hispanics have theirs. Yep. Asians have Everybody's theirs. Everybody's got their own culture. So if a police officer pulls a young man over, and a, and a young man say something like, "Yo, cuz, what you doing, man?" There's no reason to be just alarmed to pull out your gun and want to shoot him. Mm. You know, it's communication. But if you if you understand, if you come over to our community and you eat at Sweet Lisa's, sometime play basketball down to B.C. Franklin Park, you know, get to know the community who's in the community, who, in the community they get mm. to know who you oh man that's gt right there right you know what i mean uh, blah blah, blah. And, and you're approachable rather than riding down the street and you see a police officer behind you and you're afraid and, and, automatically, and you're just shaking yeah. or he pulls up on the side of you and you don't even want to look at him you know and that's what we feel over here because young african-american men uh they stand so many chances of getting shot or arrested More so than any other ethnic groups, you know, here in. I've talked to them. I talk to them all the time. And it's scary. One time, uh, uh, this is a story that I heard. A police officer, right across from McLean, there's a a convenience store, McLean High School. So when school lets out, all the kids go over to the convenience store, right? Police officer came in there. Big, tall, guns all on him, you know, bulletproof vests. All And all the kids started scattering. They started leaving. So there was a little boy at the counter getting ready to pay for his his stuff. And he turned around and looked at the police officer. He just went and got a drink. And he says, I, I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. Just afraid for his life. Rather than, how you doing, officer? Right. What's going on today? Yeah, We have some cultural training to do, man. You know, I believe that that should be a program installed in that police force that they got to go through this and go through uh, maybe uh, even a committee of, of African-Americans
3: to make sure they can pass the test. Mm. We, we have just in recent years installed uh, cultural competency as part of the training that they go through at the academy, uh, and we are doing implicit bias training that all patrol officers go through on an annual basis. So there's the original, the initial course, but then continual education. You know, I, I think that the question was raised at our community meetings last week, like, yes, you, you is, a lot that, of, that, is, yeah. is that enough? enough? I no. think that's a completely fair no. question. Uh, and one that we need to evaluate. I, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks with officers and with citizens hearing what they hope for policing. And I'll tell you, both sides want us to be recognized as having the best training program in the country. Uh, so that's a real desire. Oh, what can we do to get there? Well, one, we have to have the staffing in place that allows people to come off and go through a training program. That's okay. longer than what we've had without for, for losing our training. Well, not just that, but mm. so many other yeah, right. things. As I well. understand. Um, and I think we need to have that a good survey of who does it best. And bring it here to Tulsa. See,
4: this is something that is always, question, it's like a big question mark in my head. Mm-hmm. Drew Diamond, he has gone all over the world, not the, the world, and that community policing mm-hmm. and has been successful at it. And why is it such, such a, I mean, since he was our police chief at some point in time, if I'm not mistaken, why is it so difficult
3: to implement community policing in our City. Well, I think that the challenge that we've seen, I mean, I think Chief Diamond was way ahead of his time when mm-hmm. he, you know, was installing it back in the early 90s, uh, but in late 80s. The, the challenge we have is one that I think community policing has changed a lot in 30 years, uh, and policing in general has changed a lot in 30 years, but also you have to have a program that you can communicate. Uh, to your everyday officers why they're doing it, mm-hmm. you know, what the value of it is, and how does it translate to making Tulsa a safer place and build trust there. So I've had a lot of visits with Chief Diamond, uh, uh, and, and I think very highly of him, but I also don't think that he's the sole resource for community right. policing.
4: Right. Well, I'm just thinking of the fact that we have have that type of knowledge base. Sure. In our, Why not tap into him? That's neither here or there. But yeah. when we do talk about commu- community policing, like you're saying, like Bobby's saying, being involved yep. in the community. Oh, like some I, police I couldn't can agree. go to a school, and everybody knows that police. Every student in there knows that police. So yep. there's that and and he's approachable. Right.
3: No, I couldn't agree more mm-hmm. right. on the value of having officers live in the community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but, but,
4: and that, I guess it's against the law. Against the law.
3: It's too. not against the law. It's a challenge in our and you've seen previous mayors grapple with this. It's part of the contract that's negotiated okay. with by the FOP fo- okay. every year. Okay, uh, okay. part I think of that was Mayor LaFortune had was able to get it something. A b- Bill LaFortune was able to get something where they could only use their car to drive so far from city hall or something like right. that, uh, and, and hoping that that would help. But yeah, that, that's a that's been a continual source of negotiation in the mm-hmm. past
0: mm-hmm.
4: because in
3: certain communities
4: you have to if you work for any type of city city in, entity you yeah. have to live within the city limits. sure so, yeah yeah i mean yeah. as with everything a lot of our employers you know a lot of our people come from surrounding communities to work yes. and they leave right <laughs> so no. it's right it's a vicious yeah. cycle well you
2: know? know speaking of a city i got a question for you and you know we're going in another direction <laughs> Why is it so hard for the city of Tulsa to clean up their alleys and uh, walkways and things like that over here in North Tulsa when they're doing a lot out in other parts? But some of these alleys and stuff, man, ways that the city main, maintain, they don't really, they're not really maintaining them. Oh, really? I was a code enforcement officer when I first moved back here to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. My job was to go into – I worked for the city. Right. When I first got back, I've been back four and a half years, and that's one of the first jobs I had. My job was to go around in North Tulsa in the community and, and, you know, look for tall weeds and old cars and all of that. But what I noticed that a lot of city property was not maintained. A whole lot oh. for for those taxpayers. Yes, you know alleys and trees hanging over, and yes. uh, can't get down the alleyways, or just all kinds of stuff that was taking place here in North Tulsa. But now, when I went out to South Tulsa, a lot of that was maintained. Hmm. Workers and stuff was out there, but here in North Tulsa, to the
3: taxpayers, they weren't getting what they paid their taxes for. Okay, you know. Uh, I've not, I mean, I've heard historically about just concerns that the city wasn't like mowing its medians and rights away. Right. Exactly. That too. That too. So the city council and I in the last couple of years really increased the number of mowing cycles we do, which is a lot more expensive than you would imagine just for one mowing cycle. It's about $175,000 to mow Mm -hmm. all the medians in town one Mm -hmm. week. Um, uh, But the other thing is if, Oh, I think it, why
2: is it this is done out south on those medians, but
3: over here it's not done. Well and, and I guess that's the other thing I'm getting to. If folks see something like that where the city hasn't done it, there's two things they can do. One, they can call three one one uh and report it. And a lot of the time, you know, you are here now three one one is what it, you yeah, it's it's out. if we're wow, paying it. a contractor to do it and they're not. Uh, I, I certainly want to hear about that. Mm-hmm. And if somebody calls three one one and reports it, and nobody follows up with them, mm-hmm. I hope they'll let me know. Okay. Uh, and they can reach me anytime at mayor at Tulsa dot org. They, they can reach you, huh? Yeah, that goes and straight they just to let me. let you know. Yeah. Let's go to the phone lines. I'm
2: pretty sure we got several people who want to ask some questions. Uh, and that's who we got right here. here Area code five three nine six six four. You on the Bobby Eaton show?
6: Hey, Bobby. Hey, Mayor. Hey, Sherry. This is Chris. I know
2: that voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't we all know? That right there. <laughs> how are we doing there, Miss Christy?
6: I am great. I am great. I just, you know, want to get to the meat of it. And the meat of this whole thing is how do we get the community to trust law enforcement? And how do we get our law enforcement to see us as humans? and not big, bad dudes. Um, and let's not forget that our own quality indicator report stated that African-Americans are five times more likely to be victims of use of force. Um, my brother was murdered in prison by the hands of law enforcement. Uh, Terrence Crutcher, Murdered by the hands of law enforcement. Eric Harris, murdered by law enforcement. Joshua Ray murdered by law enforcement. Uh, I can go on and on, and that is just here in Tulsa, within blocks of my home. Um, I have a black son who I worry about all the time. And this is a true issue. It is a true issue. So how um, are we going to deal with that? And we came to UGT and our, the, the community, and we said we gotta end live PD because this is our traumatic experience, and we you, you didn't listen, and that 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 was hurtful. Because to say no to our experience when you when you know the truth about it, um, was 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 insane. And then that Friday on on Facebook, the FOP put that picture up of of City Hall with their logo on the top of it, and it just showed that the FOP has a true chokehold around your neck. And that is, that is mind blowing. Um, And this is just what we see. The FOP, they they put their flag right on top (laughs) of City Hall and they know the power that they have. And, you know, um, the old folks say, the corn is not choked by the weeds, but by the negligence of the farmer. GT, you are the farmer. You are the farmer. How do we coexist with law enforcement when a community is fearing for their lives? You know, our lives really hang in the balance of your green felt tips It does. Um, So to have you say no, 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 no on this issue that matters to us the most, the most, what do we do with that? Because we're not going to be able to be this one Tulsa as the city likes to portray If we continue on like this, there has to be a give. Um, And let me just say, I do um, think that there is greatness within you to make a true difference. I really do. And I don't believe that great leaders are born. I believe that great leaders are made. And that comes from pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And pushing And I just wanted to say that And Oh let me also add This week showed me That Tulsa is now The new Jim Crow And we have to change that We have to change that Thank you You all have a great evening
2: Okay well thank you Christy for calling in And sharing that good information And um
3: What do you think, Mayor Bynum? Well, I think to Christie's first question, you know, how do we build that trust? uh, I I think that the the, the greatest thing is that we have to relate to one another as individuals rather than as groups. Um, And that doesn't happen when. Officers are spending 90-plus percent of their shift in a squad car going from one call to another. It, it happens when they have the time to get out and get to meet people in the area that they're patrolling and establish one-on-one relationships with them. Uh, that's how you break down those barriers. It's not through some big sweeping policy change. I wish it were. If it were, we would have done that already. Um, but it requires – it's a human problem. It requires people having the time to establish those relationships. That's why we're staffing up the department uh, is so that every officer... Ha- how
2: many how many new officers are you adding?
3: So uh, when I came in as mayor, we had 735 officers. Right now we have 840, and the goal is to get to 958. Mm-hmm. That is not so they can arrest more people. We already have the most full jails in the world in Oklahoma. The goal of that is so that we can bring that that time down to when an officer's on their ship, they're spending so a third of their ship out meeting. Yeah. Do you have an
2: allotment for African American police officers?
3: We don't have an allotment, but we have a priority for hiring both African American and uh, Hispanic officers. Those are areas where we see that the makeup of the department does not reflect the city mm-hmm. and the, the demographic composition of the city that they're patrolling. And mm-hmm. so uh, we do focus a lot in recruitment on that side. So where are they recruiting? Is my question. Yeah, where is the recruitment coming from? Uh, well, they recruit all over the country at, at this point. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you that the the larger gap for us is with Hispanic officers. It's not with African American officers. It's with Hispanic officers. Not enough Hispanic officers. Is that what you're saying? That is correct. And so they spend a lot of time in New Mexico and Arizona, uh, yeah. and southern mm-hmm. Texas, mm-hmm. recruiting down okay. there. Okay. But with African American officers, uh, it, it is it you know they they. I was just visiting today with somebody who was telling me they, they've they made inroads mm-hmm. at Langston. They're trying to work more with historically black colleges mm-hmm. in the right. region uh, to to try and – because we have that degree requirement, which you were referencing earlier, mm-hmm. uh, that they're trying to make inroads. There.
2: GT, do you have the numbers? Uh, I'd like to kind of know how many African-American police officers are currently on the police force. Do
3: you have those numbers? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, no. Mm-hmm. I, I know that the percentage is not as high as the percentage of African Americans in Tulsa, which is why we're trying to address it. Okay. So
4: there's active recruiting in HBCUs, okay? Yes. But then, here's my question.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: When we're recruiting and people go back and they check and they Google the image that they see, because mm. a lot of times, the first thing, when I say I'm from Tulsa, oh, there black people in Tulsa? Ah, right. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you still for ride sure, horses in Tulsa? You that all kind right. of thing, you know? Right. So again, the image, how you portray when we're looking at when people look at those statistics. Well, should I bring my family here to live? So it, we circle back to where we began, dealing with the issues that we have here at hand. How do we fix them? We have to start with the community. We must build communities.
3: Okay, yeah, completely agree cuz they're they're they're, mm-hmm. they're gone.
2: Gone, gone.
3: All right, we're going to go to the
2: phone lines again. Uh we got a caller right here. Let's see who we got right here, okay? Area code 817-739. You're on the Bobby Eaton show. Hey, Bobby, how you doing? This is Sam. Okay? All right, Sam, Sam Davis. Oh, okay, Sam, Sam Davis. Davis. How are you doing, man? You haven't heard from you in a long time. <laughs>
8: yeah okay. i'm doing good. I'm doing good well you know uh I'm living here in, in Texas now, but my question is is and uh this is a good thing that you're having. I really think that, you know I appreciate that, but my thing is you know like like you were saying, we grew up in Tulsa, and on the north side we had multiple things to do we had a northland you know shopping center we had you know uh Stores, you know, that we could go to. Now we have to travel way out south. Why isn't there you no know, major development as far as major restaurants, major stores, you know, on the north side?
3: Uh, and I think that is, and I've been very upfront in saying I, I think that. Uh, North Tulsa has taken a backseat to the rest of the city from an economic development standpoint for decades, and you're seeing – I mean to the point both of you have raised about just the change in like the last maybe 5, 10, 15 years, that that didn't – it didn't just start then. That was – the, 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 the drop that was occurring uh, because it wasn't prioritized. That's what we're trying to change now is that prioritization. You, you get commercial development when the jobs are there to support the commercial development. And so we're trying to create the jobs and give people the, the, the training for the, the latest technology that applies to these jobs that's coming online.
8: Okay, but what about like a major store? You know, I mean you don't even have a, a major department store or a major mall. You have to travel you know twenty miles or thirty miles just to go to a, a mall. You know, I would say, there's there's no there's no major restaurant as far as a Red Lobster or Lone Star Steakhouse on the north side, you know, but you have to go to Owasso. You know so it's like nothing in between. You know, when you fly into Tulsa, you see lights Everywhere, if you go know, to the north side, it's dark as, as night. I mean, there's no lights. It's like it's just abandoned.
2: It's, it's hard city. to even come back. You know, it's hard to, you know, I say that all the time. And the reason being is it's not totally and it's hard to come totally, back to Tulsa. It's, well, see, one thing about us as African American people, we need to start getting together and building our own. And stop being dependent upon everybody to do something for us. If we get together and start opening up our restaurants like Black Wall Street, you know, and how we did back then, you know, pooling our money
8: together, we can
2: have some of those same things that we had back in those days because they were Black-owned by Black people. So we got to do that, too. You know, at the same time, fight the Fight the system that be, you know, we got to fight the system yeah. and also invest in ourselves. That's what we have to do. But thanks, and of course, you can't always depend on somebody we'll to that. do something for you. I understand. You're talking understand. about big corporate it businesses. Just, big corporate businesses are not going to move. They're not going to move into North Tulsa because of economics and monies and stuff like that. They don't look at those numbers and uh they're going to say well maybe they look not at the rooftop. The rooftop maybe it, this ain't an yeah. area that I want to move into, you know, because of so like, what well, yeah. economic development yeah, that the mayor is talking
4: exactly. about. That's the part that we need to have resources for. small, But then not only that, those dollars that are brought to the city based upon the numbers in North Tulsa that needs to be implemented in North Tulsa. In North Tulsa. No,
3: I agree, and I I do, for anybody who's listening, one great resource, if you're thinking about wanting to start a small business in North Tulsa, that's had great success is the Tulsa Economic Development Corporation. Uh, They are the financing arm behind a lot of, and, and it's a... They receive a lot of grants from the federal government. They receive grants from the city. But they're the ones that finance a lot of the small business growth that you see over at like the shops on Peoria. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the businesses that have come up there have had help from the Tulsa Economic Development Corporation. And I'd encourage people to Google them, look them up. So you go
2: to to them. They don't come to you. You can.
3: Uh, Yeah, they do a lot of proactive outreach, but they don't just like – you know it's a non nonprofit so they don't just like loan money and then walk away. they really help the the small businesses that they're investing in and make sure that they are successful. They do a great job mm. I do have well, some uh, you had asked me a minute ago, and I got some numbers on our police department so our police department as of November uh the makeup of overall of the officers is eight percent african American five percent hispanic. But in our last eleven academies at the police department, uh, it's about ten percent, just under ten percent African American, and just under ten percent Hispanic. So the so you Hispanic did numbers, you the numbers are going there.
4: up, but our yeah. African American
2: uh, not going up quite as much.
4: As far as the recruiting piece, there has to be a, a bigger, a bigger number, larger, you know, going out to recruit beyond beyond Langston. Um, all of your HBCUs, but also when those people are looking at Tulsa, there yes. it has to be something to look at. I agree. It has to be some type of growth going on. I agree. So we're we're getting back to the nuts and bolts of it all. But I want to go back to the FOP and that big sign over the. Um... <laughs> yeah. I mean, what was your take uh, on that? I mean, how did uh, you how did you interpret that and feel yeah. about that?
3: Uh, I'm sure you all for those of you who have iPhones, the face palm emoji that was what that elicited from mm. me when I saw it uh, mm. yeah, not the best uh choice in graphic design
4: because it makes it gives the image like they control city hall. that was the message that you know I'm like, but
3: mm, no, I didn't I think, think it not. was a good design or a good timing on putting it in no, up on not at all.
2: Media. all right, we're gonna take one more phone call and then we're gonna take a break, so okay. let's see who we got right here, okay. Area code nine one eight eight zero four. You on the Bobby Eaton show? Hi, yes, Mr.
9: Mayor. This is Nehemiah Frank from the Black Wall Street Times. So first, I just want to thank you for coming to the Bobby Eaton show. I think it's great for you to come and talk to um, one of our community leaders. So one of the questions that I one of the questions that I have for you is, um, <clears throat> do you think that Live PD can build trust with the community when it exploits people, making them accept being on TV in their worst moments for money?
3: Uh I don't think that it exploits people and I do think it can help build trust when people see the professional way that our officers go about conducting themselves. Yes.
9: Do you think that their behavior changes when there is um when there's when they're being taped on a professional uh TV show like Live PD or 48?
3: Our our officers are on camera uh, all the time that they're interacting with people. They wear body cameras. That's one of the things that we put in place when I came in as mayor. We deployed body cameras to all of our patrol officers. Okay, and then the
9: last thing, the last question is, is I'm pretty sure you saw the the, uh, press conference earlier today from many of the community leaders in Tulsa um, demanding that you end the contract with Live PD because they feel that it does exploit um, it, is, it, ex, it exploits our communities. Um, have you thought about possibly ending the contract at all, or are you still kind of where you were on Wednesday when you told uh, the community no?
3: Uh, I did not see the, the press conference today because I've been in meetings all day. I, I did get a letter on Friday from uh, Senator Matthews, uh, Councilor <laughs> Harper, Representative Goodwin, and Representative Nichols uh, making the argument for ending it uh, but I, I will tell you I mean for every person that I hear that says we should get rid of it I hear from five that say we should keep it um, and I think that I think people ought to be able for themselves to watch it and, and see what uh, they think of the job that our officers are doing out there okay were I'm those sure. were
9: those individuals were, were they white or were they black the ones that said keep it
3: I, I don't keep track
2: Okay, thank you Thank you. All right, thank you Nehemiah Frank For calling in Black Wall Street Times and You guys need to Get with Nehemiah on some of that Okay, we're going to move on to another topic Right here Mass Graves. Yeah, let's talk about that What made you decide to investigate The 1921 Mass Graves?
3: Well, I first heard about it um about gosh eight years ago now at this point, uh when a local journalist, uh Leroy Chapman, who had exposed Mr. Brady as being a, a Klansman. Uh what, was a, it, was he? Yes, he yeah. was. Mm-hmm. That's why we I voted to take his name off the street. All right. Way back then. It only happened about three years ago though. Um but uh He also did a video series, and he did one from Oaklawn Cemetery talking about how you know that uh, there are mass graves – there are believed to be mass graves here from the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre. And I thought there's – how on earth could we – how could any city in America be going about your day-to-day lives on top of a mass grave and not have looked in all this time Mm -hmm. to see if something was there? And so, uh, Counselor Jack Henderson and I met with Oklahoma Archaeological Survey and other people and pulled together the case for the city to launch an investigation. And we presented that to the mayor at the time, who did not want to pursue it. And so, I thought. What was his reason for not wanting to pursue it? He did not give a reason. He just said he wasn't going to do it. And, uh, but in fairness to him, he was not the first. Mayor, (laughs) declined to to do that search. Um, But I thought at the time, you know, if I ever get – because city council can't direct city staff to do anything. Only the mayor can do that. Uh, Boy, if I'm ever mayor, we're going to pick this up and follow through on it. So after I came in, I you know, picked up the conversation. At that point, it would have been six years later with the Oklahoma Archaeological Survey. And and, uh, Councillor Hall Harper is very passionate about this and worked with her to pull together – uh, the the team that we have that's doing this search. But for me, it's just one of basic human decency, and also I, I think it's a fundamental responsibility of the city that if somebody's murdered in Tulsa, uh, they their family should take comfort in knowing that the city will do whatever it can to find out what happened to them. And it doesn't shouldn't matter if they were murdered a week ago or a century ago. The city should be committed to doing that. And I've had some people push back on this and say, you know, oh, why are you trying to mess with the past? And my response to them is imagine that you're in your house, and all of a sudden somebody comes up to you and says, hey, there's a, a riot going on. You've got to come with me over to the Coliseum, and they lock you in the Coliseum for three days, and then you get out of the Coliseum. You go back to your house, and it's burned Nothing to the either. ground, and your family has gone, and your city tells you we're not going to look for your family. And then we wonder why there have been challenges around race in Tulsa since that time to me it's it's it if you can't tell, I get really upset that, that people were let down in that way, and I can't hop in the Delorean and go back a hundred years and fix that, but I can do something about it now
2: mm-hmm. so the search has taken place in certain areas, not all areas correct but certain areas, yes. And uh there are possibilities that there are some mass graves. Yes. If they are discovered
3: and is put to there are mass graves, then what? Well, I mean the, the ideal outcome for us, and you know, there's is several steps along the way. So we've found our, our the Oklahoma Archaeological Survey has found a spot in Oakland Cemetery that they say is consistent with a mass grave. And so now the work we have to do is to identify how we go about excavating that. If they find human remains, then they're going to want to try and find cause of death and try, because there was a Spanish flu epidemic that hit Tulsa like two years before the race massacre. Okay. So they're going to want to identify if can the cause of death. If they, if if that's possible. And then the ideal outcome is that we're able to match DNA with descendants. Now that the, tremendous challenge of that is descendants of the victims of that event 100 years later are scattered all around the world at this Mm. point. And this isn't like TV where you just get a little piece of hair and put it in a DNA database and it tells you who it is. I mean, we have to track descendants down using genealogical research. And and that step of it, I've been told by the experts, our, our oversight committee. Sherry's on has have been told by experts that could take years uh, okay. to do but the goal is ultimately that we're able to identify these victims and tell their stories because they haven't been told uh, you know the, the the outcome of what happened to them it hasn't been told in 99 years and uh, so if they are discovered yeah and you know then what then we want to give them a proper burial and memorialize Where? them. Where? Uh, that's a good question, and that's something that I think our oversight committee will want to discuss. I know Reverend Turner has offered uh, land adjacent to Vernon AME, a yeah, remaining structure, mm-hmm. uh, which I think would be pretty powerful, but that's a, and that's a whole other public discussion that we need to have.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, um, there are a few descendants are here that would like to know where their relatives are, what yes. happened to their relatives. Right. And, you know, there have been talk about even bodies being dumped into the river. Right. You know, yes. off a of riverside over there. Yes. Uh, where the baseball park exists, there were, I was told that there were some bodies probably there
3: as well. And, and you our. Know? Yeah, our, our, uh, the historical research committee has found a lot of oral history about in New Block Park. They're kind of right by the railroad tracks that go over the highway, Mm -hmm. stories of bodies being piled up on the riverbank there, and then one day they were just gone. And and the question is whether they were dumped in the river, whether they were put in a mass grave in that area. Uh, There was even some talk that came up at our oversight committee recently about them maybe even being shipped to a a medical school to be used for uh, Mm -hmm. medical students to examine
7: (laughs) Mm-hmm. So there's
3: any number of possibilities. One of the things that I would encourage your listeners to, though, if they if they haven't already, we're really trying to, what we found is that there's so many stories that have been passed down through families on this over the years that people didn't ever have a good outlet to share it with that they thought something would actually be done with it. So now we're collecting all of those stories uh, as best we can. And, and with the committee that's leading it, it's Hannibal Johnson and John W. Franklin, and people can go to cityoftulsa.org/1921graves uh, that cityoftulsa.org/1921graves and there's a form on there where you can enter your the story that you've heard and it'll help our historical committee decide where we're going to look in the future. You know, we picked 3 sites to start, but we recognize that there are a lot of other sites out there that Research points towards that we're going to want to investigate as well you had to pick you had to start somewhere, so we started with the three that had the most research around them mm-hmm. so when will this information when will we get this information about these mass graves if there are so I mean, we we have a, a public oversight committee uh almost every they're scheduled every month if there there's a period of time that goes by where there's nothing new to report, we' cancel it but we have our next one is coming up I think our know, people our people to want to know. Yeah, no, they're opening. They meetings. most
2: definitely want to know: are there mass graves at Oakland Cemetery? Yes. Are there bodies in there?
3: And they We are, we want to know. There are public meetings, and we mm-hmm. we encourage folks to come out to them.
2: So they, what
4: I've been hearing in a lot of the meetings has to do with cost. You know, you have a budget for this. Yes. But OSU has volunteered their services for free, and they're mm-hmm. looking at it as an opportunity, a learning opportunity for their students as well. And the type of equipment that they have available to them far exceeds the wagon that the little guy is pulling. <laughs> so how are how are we working? I mean, you know, have they came up in conversation? Oh,
3: they've been in conversation. I mean, the, what they've presented to us is the idea of a student flying a drone over a site, uh, and in the archaeologists I've talked to. I mean, there's lots of different tools there, you can yeah. use, so I wouldn't characterize it as superior to the stuff that the Oklahoma Archaeological Survey uses. I think it's just a different tool. Yeah. Um, but we've been in discussion. We've they've come up in discussions, mm-hmm. uh, and, and certainly happy to discuss them. Have further. you had an oppertu- opportunity to talk
4: to the um, director of that program? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay.
3: So hopefully
4: we can get them on board too to while, concurrent concurrently while You know, our guys are working on those three sites. Maybe they could come in and work on, like, the Trown Hill site and the um, site out south. No, I think
3: that's a really interesting idea and and one I'd be happy to visit with Oklahoma Archaeological Survey about. Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, I mean, they are the experts in this field, and I I defer to their technical expertise, but happy Mm -hmm. to talk about that because, to your point, there are a lot of sites that need to be evaluated. There are. And if we have folks I who can that can help us well. do that, I'm certainly open to that. Okay. Mm. How long do you think it's going to take? Well, I mean, just on the initial sites, you know, best case scenario, you're looking at years to match up DNA. Um, and, and well, also, just to discover that there are bodies there. we Well, to, you know, I mean, for
2: them to actually say, yeah, yes. we got some bodies right here. And
3: that was, I mean, this is the first time that we've had that outright acknowledgement of that. Uh, and in that location where you have the archaeological survey saying, yeah, there's a – what they said is it's a hand-dug trench here that they see as consistent with a mass grave. So that that was a huge step forward for us at that site, mm-hmm. and that's the number one site that comes up over and over again in the oral histories but there are a lot of other ones. You know, you mentioned Crown Hill is mm-hmm. the one in uh, – we've got to do further work in the New Block Park area, which is real challenging because that's where the city dump was for years. That's where our mm-hmm. city water treatment plants – so the dirt there has been really turned up a lot mm-hmm. over the years. There's a lot of debris, which makes scanning it hard. Um, but there are a number of other sites that have popped up that we certainly want to evaluate.
4: So the the area where they're talking about people were dropped in the river, that's that's 11th Street Bridge?
3: Yeah, I mean, that the railroad bridge that's Mm -hmm. there was there at the time. So, yeah, where 244 goes over the river, over to OSU Medical Center. Okay, definitely
4: trying to get equipment or high-tech equipment to – well, actually, I think it was two weeks ago, you can literally walk across the river. Right, it was so dry. Right. but you know, trying to get that equipment and get that area searched as well.
3: The river presents a much greater challenge because if bodies were dumped in the river, they may they have floated away. away. Oh, yeah, it, right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, If there
4: was cement or anything like that mm, that's on good, top of them, are, that's true. You know, that's true. And rumor true. has it um, that the Department of D E Q they don't even test water in certain area of the river which is odd.
3: Yeah, I heard that too. Uh, well, we do, I mean, they do test it throughout uh, the, the channel inside, at least I'm, the part I pay attention to is in the city of Tulsa mm-hmm. because they have constant monitoring there that we track to make sure that there aren't any leaks in right. the refinery right. or that a city upstream isn't dumping sewage into the river, but stuff there's like certain, that. But there's
4: certain areas that they do not Piff. test from. So mm-hmm. that's just, just an you know, one of those like, hmm maybe something's there. Mm. Maybe they've seen something along throughout the years because the river changes, the water level changed, and you never know once like the big flood we had yeah. last year. There's no telling what's been washed away oh, or what sure. revealed now. Yeah. So
3: no, that's a great point. Those are
4: the type of things we need to um be mindful of. But I wanna go back to you you said we have people from we literally have people from all over from Tulsa that have connections all over the world Yes, because I've gone many places and people, Oh, I've lost a family member. They said he was in banking and we've never heard, you know, they never heard anything from that family member yes. since then. So that's why it's so important when we talk about, you know, acknowledging this and saying that, okay, it happened, memorialize it and bring the community involved in it as well. Oh, yeah. But what really gets me, it's like, because of you doing it right now, this time frame that we have, um, 2021 is next year. Yeah. Okay. So the question would be, well, what has happened since then? Mm. And when people come, you're looking at, oh. Because when people come and they're visiting, I'm like, well, there's Vernon. Yes. Oh, that's one of the yep. last standing. And yes. then there's two buildings and they're just Baffled by the lack of that area because after 100
2: years, this is it. Yeah, well, you know, if you ask me, man, I just think that uh, the history was washed away mm. just basically, just washed away. OSU came down there and pooh, 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 OETA and all of that, they just washed the history away, not even considering the history. You know, Greenwood was a thriving place as a little boy, I was able to. Get some of that, but it was a thriving street, and it right. went as far as Archer, all the way straight down to Pine. And you had so many African American businesses and things going on that were in our community, but they just washed it away. They built the freeway through it. This, yeah. uh, we don't want this, you know. We don't want people to know about this, you know. So we'll wash it away. We'll erase it. You know, big corporate businesses, you can't fight them financially because they got the money to do everything. And so that happened, you know. And so it brings about some oppression and depression, you know, amongst certain people because, wow, man, grandma's house ain't there no more. Mm. You know, uh, uh, Bale's barbecue ain't there no more. Uh, Certain things in the community are not there anymore. Right. You know, but now we got this big old school right here that we just can look at every day. You know what I mean? And like, like I like, our Sherry said, we got this little couple of buildings right down here. Yeah. You know, and with a freeway going through it on top of that. Like I said, and then when people come here, we're looking for Black Wall Street, the six hundred businesses that we had, and all of this information, <laughs> all this big stuff. And they say,
3: is this it? Right.
2: Tulsa covered up a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. That's one of the biggest hidden secrets. And Tulsa didn't want to be embarrassed behind it. So they still, doesn't want to be still don't want to. And they were, that's why they had it suppressed. I mean, had it up under the ranks, you right. know. Tulsa right. did that. And so it brought about some separation, some, a lot of uh, uh, racism still taking place. That That newspaper put out all that information. You know, and all about that. And they first they was calling it a riot for years. Yeah. yeah. It was just a riot. Right. As though black people were just fighting back and we were just gun, gun, toe to toe. But that didn't take place. It was a massacre. Mm -hmm. They bombed Black Wall Street. They shot and killed so many people and destroyed so much economic development, you know, because blacks had fine China. Pianos, chandeliers hanging in their homes and stuff. And it was thriving. It was right. such a thriving place, but they destroyed that. So now you just got a lot of people, you know. Some don't even know the history. It wasn't even taught when I was coming up. You didn't know nothing about Black sure. Wall Street. Yeah. That was something that that was something that wasn't taught, you know. And so by it not being taught, people didn't know about it. But now it's starting to surface once yes. again.
3: Now, I thought that it, was a great bill that Senator surface got passed.
2: Yeah, and it's starting to yeah. surface, and a lot of questions are being asked every day mm-hmm. you know, about Black, Wall Street, and what took place down there on Greenwood. Right. You know, so we need to stop pushing things up under the rug and trying to hide it because it is what it really is, and the truth is going to set us free if we just tell the truth. That's why like Black History Month is coming up, and I really don't believe in Black History mm-hmm. Month because I think black history is more than a month. Right. I think it's American history. Yeah, It's part of the history. But we just want to pick out certain things of black history, and that's it, and other things we don't want to uh, even deal with. you know. So that's what I'm talking about. We need to get to the point where we start educating our young people, letting them know the truth. Because if you don't let them know the truth and they don't know, they're just going to go on doing what they do on a regular basis. So the city of Tulsa, I think, just from my perspective, needs to be culturally educated about African-Americans, Hispanics, and minorities of culture and everything else in which we live. You know, the foods that we eat, the places that we go, the things that we do and the things that we say, because, a lot of times, man, I can go in South Tulsa, Mayor Bynum, and I can go into a white establishment and be the only African-American in there. I'll get eyes and people looking at me as though I'm weird. I'm strange. I'm he a strange. Huh? Are you what, what are you doing in here? Hmm. You know, you get that. You know, what is he doing in here? You, doing? you know, what are you doing in there? You <laughs> may be, I may be just going in there to grab something to eat. Me and a friend. You know, we got all these people looking at us, and when you look at them, they turn their head and stuff like that. Then they turn back. You know they're talking about you. Mm. So we need some education to take place because some people, and I think some whites, I'm going to say it, some whites are conditioned a certain way of life that they – I have to understand that the Constitution of America was written and composed without African Americans in mind. Mm. Right. It was written without us in mind So, And some people will still want to keep it that way So until we start Educating, ourselves, you know the most Segregated day of the week is That's Sunday mm. It's the most Segregated day of the week
7: mm.
2: Whites go to their churches Blacks go to their churches Segregated <laughs> You know, there's no interaction With that, but everybody believe in the same thing Right, right So they say Yep So we got to get educated. We got to get knowledgeable. We got to uh, read more, look at more, investigate more and just accept the truth. Yes. Because as long as you keep faking and shaking, you need to come over here in your shorts and stuff and take off that suit sometimes. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I was
2: just across street this I'm, just tell, I'm just telling you, yeah right really And <laughs> just coming around and just hanging no, out
3: at the Hutcherson Really? Right, at the,
2: really? yeah. the Hutcherson White. Well yes. good, that's a good yeah. thing for you because we ain't had no mayors over there <laughs> You know what I mean <laughs> They ain't been coming yeah. But yeah. those are some of the things that, that we need to do You know if you're gonna uh, uh, Want to know more about African Americans and stuff You have to engage yourself with Af- African Americans mm-hmm. And we're not all bad people Right, we ain't gonna shoot you. We ain't gonna bite you. Right. You know what I mean. So, you know, you you gotta do that, man. Yeah. You know, and that's just the way it is. We have to have the conversation. I I get so upset when I get around other ethnic groups and don't talk about what's real. Hmm. You know, we gonna fake and shake. Oh, how are your children doing today? Oh, are my children doing fine? How are you? So and so and so. But we don't talk about the real issues of life. You know, African-Americans don't never come over your house. You don't ever come over African-Americans' house. You never invite each other over to do anything. But you you work at the workplace. Yeah, everything's fine inside the workplace. But outside the workplace, there is no relationship amongst the races. Mm. You know, there are no relationships. So we have to learn the relationships. Have open conversation. Teach our kids about what's real, right? Don't sugarcoat them, you know, because you can put a white kid, a black kid, Asian kid, and a Hispanic kid in a playground. They're going to play together until somebody, some parent, tell them don't play with him. And the next thing you know, he ain't playing with him. You know, why you can't play with me no more? Mm -hmm. Because they've been taught that. So we have to have an open conversation when it comes to the city. When it comes to African-Americans here in North Tulsa or wherever they at in Tulsa to bring about some understanding, you know, some understanding. It, it, it's so sad when we go out on Fridays, we can't find no place to go because there's nothing culturally for us to do. And I blame us for that because we don't we as a as people, we don't open up no late night restaurants, no nightclubs or nothing like that. You know what I mean? But at the same time, if we were to open up something downtown we don't have no black businesses down there
10: mm.
2: if we do it's very few i can you know we don't have them but if you do you got to be careful oh boy they open up that club right downtown right next to uh, and so. uh-uh we don't want that down here but they got a million clubs down there already mm. you understand what i'm saying mayor Br- mayor uh,
3: generally I don't know about the club stuff. Well I'm just saying <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about restaurants and nightlife. Oh yeah, no. Restaurants I agree nightlife. Yeah. Things that get you out
2: of, hey, let's hey, Sherry, let's go down here to so and so and so. We don't have that. Yeah. So when you don't have a lot of economic development when it comes to things to have fun right. and uh, restaurants and stuff like that, you're in your house. Yeah. So you're doing everything inside the home. You me and my dad, we even often look for wonderful. Well, it's Friday night, it's Saturday night. What is there to do? Sit at home and stay out of trouble. Sit at home and stay out of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) That's why there's nothing to do. But Yeah, we only have a couple of night spots in in North Mm -hmm. Tulsa. And that's not to say that all night spots are bad. You know, I ain't saying they're bad at all. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, people go drink and dance and have fun and then they leave and go home. You, You know what I mean? So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, therefore, Like my dad said, urban renewal tore down a whole lot of buildings and a whole lot of spots that we used to have. We don't have them anymore. So how can we bring about economic development back to North Tulsa, you know, and start looking at it in a way of of growing, growing, you know, if if whites are going to come over here, put some over here worth coming to to go over here for not just gentrification as far as big corporate businesses coming in here. And and just taking over. For example, we have a quick trip right here, to Pine and Peoria. I was told that it's the number three quick trip in Quick Trip. That's great. Which is a great thing. Yeah. But we're so quick in our community to run up and spend all our money to all of these places and stuff like that, where the mom and pop stores and little bitty man, he just suffers. You know, he suffers because we don't spend our money with our own. We're consumers. We got things going out. Rather than coming in So I'm saying if other cultures Are going to come into the community Put some in the community That's not so gentrified To the point to where It's like we're tripping Burger King And and Taco Bell And all of that kind of stuff You know, get in with a black man Or something and say, hey man, let's do this You know, let's open up this blah, 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 blah Or, you know, if you're going to do something And you got money Do something to help so that's where I go with all of that. I talk yeah. about this all the time. We talk about it on the radio all the time. That's why I set up this platform that we're on right now. Sure. So that we can tell our stories our way. I got so tired of hearing mainstream media saying this, mainstream media saying that. And this is the only place in North Tulsa like this, this little place that you're in right here, yeah, which this building was built by Joe Eaton who had the barbershop next door. Civil rights movement started right over there with my dad, you know, and things like that, where black men went to jail. They went to jail, got locked up for not being able to get served at restaurants and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm passionate about my community. I'm passionate about asking the questions, what can the city do to start looking at some of this and understanding why? We're in the conditions that we
3: are. And I think the answer to that, again, is one, uh, bringing in more jobs that create uh, – the more jobs you get in an area, the greater draw from a retail standpoint you get. Two, is fostering entrepreneurship and small business, and three is bringing in the capital to fund. Well, give me some money. Those. Well, <laughs> give me some money. I need some funding.
2: And, and that's why I need I'm money.
3: In, I'm encouraging. Come on people. and give me You, you the man.
2: Yeah. Come over and say, look at y'all. We need to throw some money, Bobby Eaton's way over here at the radio station. I'm, I'm just saying that. Right. And right. I'm not the only one that you can do something like that with. I'm just one of the many that need funding. We need stuff. We need things. Yes. I need a van right now, a 15 passenger van. Anything you can do to help me get that passenger van for these kids and these children programs that I have over here, psh, I would love it. Right, right. I could do. I could do so much damage if I just had a van. <laughs> I mean, I, that sounds funny, but that I could. man. terrible. But... You know, if I just had a 15 passenger. Right. My community, <laughs> no. If I just had this, man, Bobby, if you yeah. had that, because I had a van and I took. 12 kids to Atlanta in that van, and I went to see, I took them to CNN News, Mm. I took them to TV One, I took them to Tyler Perry's place, I took them uh, to Martin Luther King Center in that van, and I realized when I got back to Tulsa, I need a van, (laughs) you know what I mean, I need a van, 15 passengers. I could go to Vernon Manor. I could go to Comanche, pick up little kids, take right. them and show them places they haven't seen. I could pick up senior citizens, take them to the Walmarts, grocery shopping. I could do so much. I could take you, GT, me, and you can go to Oklahoma City. I'm just saying. Why would we want to do that? Because of things. Though, I'm just saying. If we, had to go, we had to go out and about. I could yeah. take people and do all kinds of things if I just yeah. had a van. Now, I'm just going to get off that part of it right there because <laughs> I'm raising some money and stuff like that trying to get the to, to get, the the get a van. Yeah. Everybody know Bobby want a van. That's a That's goal for the year. Is. That's a goal right. for the year. And I'm going to turn my grandfather's barbershop in next door. So all of you guys who are listening, we need funding to change. We're going to turn it into a black museum. Oh, cool. And we, the barber chairs are gonna be in there, and all the stuff gonna be in. there And I'm gonna put all those historical black men and women's pictures and information up in that barbershop next door. That's great. So they could come in there and see some of the history that they don't know. A lot of projects going on right here because we need funding. Me and these kids, the Juice Radio Show, which are young people, there's about twelve of them. Yeah. We need funding to fund our projects and what we need to do. So it's some rich, it's some rich folk out there. Who got a couple of dollars, y'all can sling and write it off on your taxes or something like that, you know, whatever. Come by 1533 North Norfolk, you know, and get in touch with me over here. But there's a lot of things here in Tulsa, and I think systematically that we need to make some changes, man. you, know, you I agree. You've been over here in North yeah. Tulsa quite a bit. Yep. I mean, I've seen your face in a whole lot of places over here, more than I have seen previous administration, you know, administration and stuff like that. But I've seen you over here. I've seen your town hall meetings. I've seen you over here. It's so meeting over there. You're not afraid to come
3: over in North Tulsa. No, I grew up. Big part of growing up was in North Tulsa, you
2: know. Yeah. So if you feel passionate about North Tulsa, let's make some changes in North Tulsa as the mayor. Yeah, and as as people like myself and Dean Finley and my dad and everybody else, let's make some changes. And
4: so that's a the, big
2: again,
3: back to the very beginning of our conversation. I mean, that's one of the big reasons that I ran for mayor. Yeah. So yeah, and like you're
4: saying, that's one of the reasons why you ran for mayor. Okay. But right now the people are asking about the chief of police. That's a hot topic
2: right now. Really?
4: You yeah, teach.
0: <laughs> you yeah. You're being you being funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Because yeah. you know, uh-huh. um, I think
4: on the news I just heard that you're going to have um you you've narrowed it down, and the application process is pretty much sound like it's closed. So it sounds like you are leaning more so hiring someone that's already a part of. How does it work? Yeah,
3: so our our city charter, which is like the constitution for the city government, the voters approved it in 1989, and Mm -hmm. it spells out how you hire somebody for that job. Okay. And and so and it's set up where internal applicants can apply, Mm -hmm. and then the mayor has to interview at least four of them. But we had seven really good ones apply. So I'm in the process of interviewing all of them. that process can take as long as it needs to take. But if at the end of that process, uh, I either feel like we've got the person who's the best person to do this, and they're the new chief, or I feel like after going through all this, I don't, I don't have confidence that any of these candidates are the right fit, then we could do a, a national search. Okay. But the process, the stage we're at, and the pro- I spent, you know. Uh, to my knowledge, no mayor has ever gone and done town hall meetings to hear from no. citizens what they wanted to see in the chief, but I thought that was really important, and I wanted to have that in my head before I went into these interviews. We're doing the first round of interviews this week. Mm-hmm. and uh, Well, you got it. You had a lot of people. Oh, yeah. No, you know. We had a great turnout. turnout. We did three different town halls in different parts of the city. I had a great turnout at all of them, uh, but we'll do the first round of interviews this week, and then uh, later in the week, you know, I thought there were a lot of people who brought forward this ide- the idea of wanting to, you know, get a, a greater diversity of people at the table for the interviews. Uh, and I put my whole team together in the mayor's office with the idea that the more the the greater diversity of perspectives you have looking at an issue, the better end result you're going to get when you have to make a decision because uh, you don't get those blind spots. And so. What we're talking about right now is what that could look like in the future rounds. You know, in the past, mayors just had the process and got, you know, maybe one or two people in the room with them and the applicants, and they hired a chief. There was no transparency, no public accessibility. And so we're having to develop what I hope will be a better process as we go on this. Uh, But we'll be announcing later in the week what those other further rounds of this interview process could look like.
4: So it sounds like I'm just going to repeat what you said. It's, yeah. You have a you have a process in place that you have to follow because it's in the city constitution. Yes, okay. And that does not inc- doesn't
3: necessarily include input from the community. Uh well the the process as it's spelled out in the city charter is just about evaluating internal candidates uh before and if you are only supposed to go external if you're you feel like none of those internal candidates is the right fit for the job. So it gives the internal candidates basically a first pass before okay. you do any sort of larger. Search. Who has the final? But say beyond so? that, the mayor. The, the mayor. mayor does, you got like, the okay. final say, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and that's why for me, I think I make better decisions when I hear from more people. And that's why I did the town hall meetings last week. That's why we're looking at what these other components of the interview process could look like. Um, uh, there isn't anything spelled out on saying who can be there to evaluate them. Mm-hmm. It's just that historically, no one, I mean, very few people right. have been involved at all outside of the mayor. And I also, it's very important to me that this is a responsibility that the voters hired me for, and I'm not, I don't want to shirk it off on somebody else. I, I I'm the one who will be held accountable by the voters uh, for this right. decision, not anybody else. Because if they, it's, if- if
4: they're not satisfied with your selection, okay, there could be some out for Absolutely. that.
3: Absolutely. And yep.
4: uh, I was looking That's how they a,
3: hold the process accountable.
4: So when yeah. I'm looking at your pool of applicants, I How many you, is
3: it? There's seven, seven. Seven. internal applicants. And there were
2: – I know who I'd vote for.
4: Who to vote for.
2: I know who I had voted for. <laughs> there was one, I I was there was there. one woman, um,
4: one black yeah. applicant, right? Female? Yeah, one female. From uh, here? Yeah, from here. She's on. She's, she's a police officer now. I don't know if she's a sergeant. I don't know her ranking, but there was one a female, major. A major. Yeah. You have to be, so a, major have to be a major in order to apply,
3: don't you? Major or deputy chief, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh.
4: Okay, so it was her, one black guy. cannot think of his name. Wendell
3: Franklin. Wendell, He's a major yeah, as well. Wendell. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wendell. Mm-hmm.
4: And the rest were... Your 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 what we look like we have now, okay? So, <laughs> yeah. So that pool is kind of shallow when you think about diversity.
2: Very know? shallow. Well,
3: and, I think from a racial diversity standpoint, there's no argument that it's yeah. uh, it's not the most diverse p- group of applicants. But I will say from a from an experience standpoint and from a uh, commitment to the things that I think are important, making the city safer, commitment to community policing, mm-hmm. commitment to making it the best department it can be. There are a number of them that are very strong and have a proven track record on that in that regard. Mm-hmm. And so the Fraternal
4: Order of Police, I mean I guess all of them are a part of that organization? There are some of them that are
3: and some of them that are not that okay. you know that's a dues paying organization. Some mm. of them are not members.
4: Hmm. That would be interesting to find out mm. who's not. Oh, so when is this going to take
3: place? Well so I'm again I'm doing the initial round of interviews right now. Uh and then we'll do further rounds of interviews. We'll narrow it down and do further rounds of interviews um, at the right time. The selection do you a, know is there a selection time or there you, is not a deadline. Chief it's Jordan, not a deadline. Chief Jordan retires at the end of this month, but we can easily put in a rotating group of interim chiefs uh, mm-hmm. until okay. we have the right fit. So there's not a,
2: it's it's not a deadline
3: pl- like you know, February 12th. No, 12, no. no, and then, no yeah. there's no artificial mm-hmm. deadline on this. Okay. Uh-uh. Because I would
4: – okay, we have – and this is the mentality of Tulsa, uh-huh. I've learned. We take care of our own. Mm. Okay, what I mean by that, we're going to hire from within first. First and foremost, we're going to take care of the po- employees that we already have here, and then we'll go out on the outside and look if we can't find anybody
2: on the inside. On
4: the inside, but mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like one of those things. If we have someone within the organization that we can hire, we'll hire them first, and they may not necessarily be the best, but they're the best in house that we have right now, as opposed to going outside and doing a broader search for people with that have dealt with a really diverse. Uh, communities mm-hmm. that, are able, that are able to see different things that, you know, you, you growing up on the force, being there the entire time, looking at something totally different. Because you, when you're in a space a very long time, you kind of get used to what you, your norm. Some, some, some things that aren't necessarily norm in one place, maybe a red flag in another place, you're used to it. So when you go outside of your regular pool and hire someone outside of that, I'm not necessarily from Oklahoma per se, but just doing a broad search Church. to see what you mm-hmm. get. So you're saying you go through that process first and you identify and you hire. And what happens if, you know, people aren't satisfied with that hire or that person decides, you know, we're, I don't necessarily you get the second person
3: or do you, then you go out and do a broad search. Well, a couple of things. First, I mean, if I don't feel confident that the person is the right person, I can go external. And okay. this isn't the first department head job that I've filled in my time as mayor. Mm-hmm. And in several of them, we did go external. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna America, um, even though, she, I mean, she was on the city council, so she knew the dynamics of the city, but she wasn't a, sit, a full-time city employer, a parks department employee, but she's I offense. thought she used to work for the Parks Department. Well, like 20 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that doesn't <laughs> count as an internal <laughs> no. employee. But she's doing a just fantastic yeah. job now getting rec centers reopened and revitalized instead of bulldozing them in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. Uh, but the the flip side of that is uh, I do think that if you have strong applicants internally, mm-hmm. then – you know, oh, yeah. I think there are trade-offs on both sides. I'm not saying that there aren't benefits to bringing in outside people because I've done that. Okay. Yeah. I also think, though, that if you have strong internal applicants, there are advantages to that, too. Right. Uh, knowing right. who, you know, knowing the people within an organization, knowing the the realities of the discussions, that, especially the discussions that have been occurring in Tulsa for the last three years mm-hmm. a- around uh, police-community relations, you know, I, I don't want somebody who decides they need to start studying up on what the Tulsa race massacre was in February of 2020. Uh, (laughs) I want somebody who's been involved in the discussions here and understands and knows who you can go to and talk with so that as with anything, I mean, there I've heard from a lot of friends who I have tremendous respect for who disagree with me on this. Uh, that like I've told them, like, I'm not limiting myself. If I get through this interview process and I feel like we don't have exactly the right person, then we'll go external. But I've also been open and honest throughout it that th- this is a really strong pool of applicants. And I think it's probably a matter of the fact that the job hasn't been, open. one, it's the largest department in the city with 840 employees and the job hadn't been open in a decade. And so you have a lot of, you uh, Leaders that have grown up in that department who have been waiting for this opportunity and have it now. Okay. Mm. You know,
2: I've had I've talked to a few police officers and uh, some of them say that they would rather work in North Tulsa than work in South Tulsa. Mm. I've heard that before. And because there's less going on over here than it is going on
3: out there. Mm.
2: Have you heard that before?
3: Uh I haven't heard – I haven't had discussions with – usually when I have discussions with officers on where they would prefer to be based on patrol, it has to do with maybe where they live or where they grew up Mm -hmm. or people that they know. But I haven't heard like one part of town versus another. Yeah.
2: You know, statistics show there's more crime going on out south than it is going on over here in north and out east. East Tulsa is pretty rough too. Mm. So, uh, you know, but we always get North Tulsa, most crime. Everything's happening in North Tulsa, Mm -hmm. you know, and we always get a bad rap. And I'm trying to make people aware that it's not that bad over here.
3: Right, right. Mm -hmm. It's not,
2: you know, like people portray it to be. Yeah. I had one lady one time come in here and I was doing an interview on her company. Her and uh, another, it was two Caucasian ladies and a black lady. She came over here and she says, how long is the show? I said, well, it's two hour show. You know, she says, OK. All right. Two hours. Uh, by the time the sun goes down, I want to be leaving mm. because somebody told her that she may get robbed. She may get hit across the head or something of that nature over here. And I said, <laughs> How are you going to leave in the middle of the show? And the show is supposed to be by you and your company. Right. You right. know, but she was ready to get out of here when the sun go down. Mm. Because that's the myth. Yeah. And that's the stuff, the kind of stuff that people create about us over here in North Tulsa. You, you got to lock your doors. The sun go down. You got to lock your doors up. Don't go outside. You know, don't go to go. Don't go get no gas until in the morning. You know, so we, we need to just get all of that kind of uh Thinking out, and I believe a lot of whites believe that as well. Because I've talked, don't go north when people move here from out of town. Don't go north. Right. Well, they're actually yeah. they
4: brand new and out of town. Yeah, they're brand actually, new, and they're um, using a realtor or someone. They're automatically directed other places. Oh, they never come over here unless you unless you know someone. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of thing. But Bobby, you have callers. Waiting to be here. Do you have any no. callers? You don't have any. Callers? No, I
2: ain't got no callers right now. Ain't nobody. Well, let me see here. Let me try this right here. Maybe I've uh spoke to them already. I'll give it a shot. Nine one eight nine four six. You on the Bob Eaton show? Have I spoken with you before? Uh, not today. All right. I'm talking to you right now. Come on with it. Oh, how you guys doing? Doing fine.
10: Mayor Bynum? Well,
2: excuse me, excuse me. All right, here we go. You, you cut his mic off? No, that was me making some feedback and noise. You know, we tell our stories our way. Okay, <clears throat> go ahead.
10: Uh, I just I, I heard I heard um some of the conversation between you and the mayor and about the. Uh, by the way, this is Negro spiritual. Yeah, I know. Okay. One twenty one. Uh, okay, right? i just making sure everybody who's in the room knows who I'm, who they're speaking with.
3: Um, I'm looking yeah, at your teeth so, on the wall over here.
10: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm in the community. You're here, man. Uh, I appreciate you um, coming to our only black radio station for a community out north and, and doing this talk. So thank you for that. Happy I want to... Um, yes thank you thank you i want to i want to um first thing i want to commend you on is the um your your honesty mr mayor and your directness when um questioned about the live pd situation um i really respect the fact that you didn't
1: uh you know
10: you didn't pussyfoot around whenever you made your point and you were stern in your point it, whether I agree with it or not or oppose it, but I respect the fact that you didn't mislead anybody on or, or lie about the situation, A, as in you know, well, I'm gonna look into changing it or anything. You made it clear where your stance is on that, and I respect that. Thank you. Also, also I um, yes, and also I want to about the I, I think I, I saw you taking notes when I spoke my mind as well as several others at the uh, Rudisill Town Hall when taking notes on the police chief and who that is to be and whether it should be an internal or external uh, person. And I'm glad you gave more clarity during this interview of that process and of what the city charter, the constitution for Tulsa, how that is read and how it has, you know, how, What guidelines do you have to follow per that charter? So that really gave me a lot of clarity, and I'm sure it gave a lot more other people listening clarity because we don't know that process and how if the citizens are to, you know, assist you in, you know, where they can actually fit. So you got to know the process to know where you can can actually fit in that. And so I appreciate you clearing that up.
3: Thank you. No, I agree. So what is your question? The, my question oh, is with him just telling oh. me the good things that I've been doing. Yeah. All right. He to he, hear he some yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So
2: my
10: my question, my question is is if this is a question, I think it's more like a statement. But I guess the question would be, um, going through this this first round of interviews and I don't know how many rounds you end up, you know, deciding to do my, I guess my, my statement, my, my hope, my charge to you, my prayer would be that somebody who is innovative in their thinking, who is open to new ideas, who is the, this community of North Tulsa, the people, we have a, a well-earned distrust for the police department. Yep, and and that is something I personally personally have been attempting to change, in as far as finding ways for us to work together to to build trust, to bring trust building exercises and activities to for um, the citizens and the police department to work together. And so I've been doing that as much as I have the power and the financing and all those things to do, and so it's been on a a very limited scale. But with the support of an innovative police chief, I, I know we can do more, and I know we can actually start to work together and work with the community agencies that I see we can put in place to assist with crime prevention, to assist with policing and building that trust is not something that you snap your fingers and it's going to be made new and better overnight. Whether we have a brand new police chief that is external or internal, there's still that trust has to be built. And so we need somebody who's innovative to try different things and different ways of working with community organizations and, and security organizations in the community and neighborhood watch programs to have a buffer for
3: safety to build that trust. Well, Baxter, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think that a a key in whoever is the next chief is that they have to uh, be willing to look at best practices all around the country, and really at this point with policing, you're talking about all around the world from a policing practices standpoint, and not be defensive about, the the work that's already being done in the department. I mean, I think whether you're in business uh, or in government, or even for us in our own personal lives, there are always going to be ways that we can improve, and that shouldn't be a a point of embarrassment uh, to say that. It should be an acknowledgement that if you want to be the best. You have to be constantly improving and constantly finding new ways of doing things and delivering service to the citizens better than you did yesterday. And that requires a chief who's open to new ideas. So I completely agree with everything you just said. Well, thank you very
10: much. So during your interview process, I just wanted to reiterate that because I spoke on it before you mentioned it in the four um, objectives or initiatives you wanted to see from the Incoming uh, candidates, and I just wanted for you when you go in that round of questioning and interviewing that you, you you you
2: know you place
10: that up there at, at somewhere at the very top.
2: Absolutely. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Baxter. Well, let's try one more right here and see who we got. Hopefully, five three nine six six four. Okay, I guess they don't want to talk All right, we're back Well, we're going to take a little small break Okay You know, we're going to come right back Hey, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show Where we tell our stories our way Tulsa Mayor G.T. Bynum's in the house Along with Sherry Lasky And we're having a conversation Pertaining to Tulsa, Oklahoma And what's going on in T-Town So we want you to stick around Call a family member, call a friend, 646-716-5525, and don't forget to press the one button. That's what we want you to do. So stick around.
6: For more information
4: about the Black Wall Street
6: Chamber of Commerce or to
4: donate to the Power Group,
6: visit
0: bwschamber.com.
6: Denise Parker with Midtown Embroidery. We do it all from any type of promotional, from screen printing, embroidery, school uniforms, Greek lettering, workwear, monogramming. There's no job too big or too small and no location too far. Let us be your one-stop shop. We're located at 2808 East 15th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74104. Our phone number is 918-982-3254. Our email address is denise.tulsamiddtown at gmail.com. Thank you.
7: Dawn Tree here, CEO of Underground
6: Tree Studios. They're a one-stop shop for graphics, web design, and arts.
8: We do workshops. We do mural workshops. We also work with elders in the realm of technology. And if you're looking for a logo, a business card, or a website, we
4: have you there. You can find us online at www.utreep.com. That's the letter U-T-R-E-E-P
8: dot com. So if you're interested in any of these services, feel free to visit Underground Tree Studios online at U-T-R-E-P dot com.
5: If your credit starts with a three, four, five, or six, this is for you. Did you know that it's costing you to have bad credit? You can't get qualified for that house or apartment, and you're paying high interest rates, along with paying high car insurance, and it may be costing you that job that you really want. What are you waiting on? Take more of a holistic approach. Pick up the phone and call the Credit Shiro at 832 642 1554 or text CAMP to 76626. With 13 amazing services, we restore and repair generations to come. Once again, Call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text camp to 76626. If you know better, you do better. Only the Credit Shiro can help you to save the day.
0: Turn it up and listen.
10: It's the Juice Radio Show, bringing the liveest people on our show. Tulsa's top shows. Music artists and entrepreneurs sit down exclusively with the juice, juice. That, that, that rocking with the best. The Juice Radio Show, Tulsa. KBOB, the home of the Bobby Eaton Show, the Juice Radio Show, and Two Dogs Radio Show. I
0: do it big. Okay. You better R-E-S-P-E-C-T me.
10: Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stay connected and call us now at 646-716-5525 and press 1 to go live.
1: our platform to promote today's leaders while inspiring tomorrows and we super serve our local community while helping you serve the world we are Eaton media services a full service media company providing promotion videography recording service and more connect us today to find out how we can help you entertain empower and inform at eatinmediaservices.com
2: it's the bobby eaton show we tell stories our way oh yeah hey it's the bobby eaton show where we tell stories our way and uh we have mayor gt Bynum in the house and we've been talking about a variety of uh, different topics right here concerning you and uh glad to have you back man we got only a few minutes um i want to talk about the city of Tulsa and its progress. I mean, you know, we've got a new gathering place down here, and yep. you've got some other stuff going on around the city. I understand that Gilcrease Museum got some, I don't know, just some mm-hmm. new things going on. Oh, yeah. You know, that the city is
3: involved in. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, we've got uh, Gilchrist Museum that's getting ready to go through probably the largest overhaul it's had in its history as a museum. Um, we just became one of the first cities in the United States to have bus rapid transit running up and down Peoria from 56th Street North down to 81st Street. Uh, so, And it's running seven days a week, which uh, before a year ago, we didn't have Sunday service for bus rides in Tulsa. So that's opening up. Access throughout the city from a transit standpoint in ways that no previous generation of Tulsans has had. Um, on a just an overall public improvement standpoint, I mean, you mentioned the gathering place, you know, that had almost 3 million visitors in its first year. Uh, it's bringing people from all around the, the world, the Tulsa. Um, we're building USA BMX's Olympic training and trials facility, uh, in the Greenwood district. And what's really cool about that. It won't just be for the Olympic training and trials, but the Olympic athletes that train there during the, the time when they're not training, they'll be teaching courses for Tulsa kids who want to learn, uh, how to be us, uh, BMX bike racers. That'll give them the, I mean, I can't think of many other places where you can, as a kid, get trained by an Olympic athlete. If you dream of doing that one day yourself, um, as I mentioned earlier, we brought the two largest new employers in the history of the city uh, to town in the last three years, uh, and overall, crime is down in Tulsa. Uh, our economy is thriving right now, uh, and we're getting ready to start building a lake in the Arkansas River after talking about it for 50 years. So mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot, lot of things positive things. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Now we we got a million callers right here. All of a sudden, everybody want to call in. Let's see if we can get a few of those phone calls. Great. You know, and let me see what we got going on right here. Area code nine one eight three four six. You on the Bobby Eaton show?
11: Yes, this is uh, uh, Cleo Harris. Um, I'm a business owner down here on Greenwood, and 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 one of the things that stood out to me in terms of uh, preserving the culture and the heritage of North Tulsa's uh, African Americans, if you will. Uh, one of the things that concern me, and and maybe the American uh, answer this, um, is how do we memorialize Black Wall Street, the Greenwood District, when you know we have plaques that you know uh house the names of of these ancestors being taken up under construction erased removed uh streets uh being under construction from uh Archer uh back to the highway everything around uh Greenwood uh all the way up to OSU, or just under the bridge, it's not being uh, taken care of uh, the way it should. Sidewalks, uh, I'm sitting out here now, and I'm looking at the the sidewalk, uh, you know, buckling, people tripping over the concrete, and I just heard him say that we're getting ready to build a BMX just around the corner, and we can't, preserve and build up, uh revitalize, if you will, uh the, the Greenwood District, you know, the, one of the historic landmarks uh in the world for African Americans. I, I just wanna know uh what what are you gonna do to, to help memorialize and, and and do some construction uh on the sidewalk because People are tripping, mm-hmm. you know, and and if they fall, I mean, wh- what do we do with that? I know yeah. that's a lot to say, but yeah. anyway, uh, a lot of questions I, I
2: because we only got a few minutes left on the show, and I'm trying to get to as many people as I can. Not going to be able to get to everybody, so if you uh, if I didn't get to you, hey, don't don't hold my head to it, you know. Some a, a bunch of people want to talk, but how do we address that, Mayor?
3: So I, I think. A couple of thoughts, hearing what you had to say. Uh, one, um, if you see sidewalks that are buckling or are dangerous for people to use, uh, please call 311 and report it. Uh, that's the best way that our crews are notified to get out and fix it. If you see areas that are overgrown with weeds or uh, need to be cleaned up, please call 311. That's how we know to fix it. From a, a commemoration uh, of Black Wall Street, looking ahead, that we included uh, in the Vision Tulsa program that voters just passed in November uh, funding to really revitalize the Greenwood Cultural Center. Uh, I mean, that's a city-owned building, uh, but the city has not maintained it historically the way that I think we should have. And so voters approved significant funding to make improvements in that. And then there's a community dialogue going on uh, around uh, what donated money would be used uh, to build an, uh, a, a center adjacent to that building that uh, could commemorate it, as well as building a, a walk through uh, historic Greenwood that people could go on to see the different historic sites there.
2: Okay. All right. Let's try
3: this one. It's going to be the
2: last one, I believe. Let's see who we got here. Area nine one eight nine five four. 918 you on the Bobby Eaton Show.
1: Hello. Hello. Hello, uh, Mr. Eden. Yes. Yes. Um, my name is Alexander Agboze. Um, I've been on your show before with um, Mr. Baxter, Richard Baxter. Yes. Yes, sir. Um, and I'm so glad. Um, you, what is you your know, What, you what
2: is your question?
1: Um, my question is for the mayor. My question is actually for the mayor. I've been trying to get hold of the mayor for like a week now. Um, I contacted his office on January the 8th. Um, um, you know, um, I'll try to get hold of him through an email. I've not received no email now back. I'll right call here, his office. Right
2: you can ask him right now.
1: Excuse, okay, he's Mr. Right Mayo. I, right, Mr. Mayor. Yes. Yes, sir. My name is Alexander Agbon. And I yeah, have a very... I, or, what is your question? Yes, sir. My what question, is your question is, my qu. My question is in regards, you know, we're talking about investigation and you're talking about um, trying to investigate, um, you know, um, mass graves or whatever. But I have, a, I, have a, I have an issue going on, you know, in my life. I was charged. I was charged and um, I spent 22 months of my life in jail for a crime that I did not commit. And my question that I have for you, Mr. Mayor, is um, can we investigate, you know, CF? Can we investigate CF two thousand six twenty sixteen sixty three zero four? It's a rape okay. charge from 2016 that I was charged with right. that I okay, did not commit.
2: Here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to just email the mayor uh, your question because I think we can do I
1: have. I've emailed yeah. the mayor, but nobody's okay. seen the mayor don't want to talk to me. He don't want. He does not want okay. to return my email. Or he All don't right. want to return my call.
2: Okay. we gonna.
1: Uh, I've been to his. I've been to we, his office. I'll try to get hold of call, the mayor to try to. Look,
2: here, I'm gonna give you a number to call. Eight three two. 443 9499 Again, that number is eight three two, four four three, nine four nine nine. Call that number when we get off the show and I can direct you where you need to go. But meanwhile, I want everybody to um, uh, keep listening to the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. Thank you, Mayor Bynum, for taking time out wow. of your busy schedule to come Thank over here to North Tulsa. Thank you. you. Know, appreciate and, uh, it. And us talking about these issues. All right? Thank you very okay. much. Well, Sherry, hey, we had a, a lot of informative show of a lot of information. And I uh, want you guys keep in mind that the shows are recorded. All you got to do is Google the Bobby Eaton Show, and you can listen to this show for those who didn't get a chance to listen to it. Ain't you right, Sherry?
0: That's right.
2: That's right. Keep in mind that uh, coming up a week from today, MLK Day, Martin Luther King Center. So we want you guys to go to that. And, hey, and by the way, while you're down there on Greenwood, stop by the all-new Black Wall Street Liquid Lounge, which is next door to Lefty's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, y'all go oh, in there. And check it out. It's beautiful. And uh, there are things going on in there. My brother and his uh, business partner have opened it up. Mm -hmm. And coffee, cakes, all kinds of stuff. Nice uh, environment to be at and to kind of like hang out. That's the all-new Black Wall Street Liquid Lounge on Greenwood. Okay? Well, until the next time, we want you to uh, have a good time and uh, take care. And we want you to stay black, okay?